0: I know a bloke who would know a fair bit about grubs uh, from his time in covering sport is Justin Nelson from Sky Sport. Uh, g'day Justin, how are you doing?
1: Oh, the introductions just get better
0: and better with you each week, <laughs> don't they, Hey, I didn't suggest you were a grub, I just suggested
1: that you might be, <laughs> have, have seen a few in your time. What a topic on a Wednesday night. The grubbiest player, you little ripper. Oh mate, so good. I mean,
0: well, you know, we're talking NRL here, and so you know, the first one that popped to mind when this text came through was John
1: Hoppowadi. Uh, mm. but I mean there's grubs in every sport. Oh of course there is, and I think, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that love that sort of stuff as well, especially those that get in under the skin of people and their opposition players and You know, there's players that you love, there's players that you hate, and that's just all part of the game and the the fun and love of it all, isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I I remember uh, there being a poll done uh, amongst professional players in the UK, or might have even been in Europe, of the dirtiest player that they've ever played against. And you know who came out number one in that poll? I mean, this is probably 20 years ago this poll was done, but I remember it coming out. Go. Kevin Musket. Really? Yeah. The Aussie. The Aussie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was filth. Um, and he played f- hard. He played for some filthy teams too. He played for Millwall and Glasgow Rangers for two. You know, you know what I mean. So, uh, but I remember, and I can't remember the bloke's name, but there was a kid playing for what was then Melbourne Hart, who was absolutely. It was towards the end. It might have been in the last season that he played. Um, Kevin Musket, and Musket came across absolutely, took him out, and broke his leg in two places. I think it pretty much yeah, finished I, his career.
1: No. Yeah, you're right. I remember that very, very well, actually. And, of course, uh, Kevin then went on and had a, a really good coaching career as well. I'm, I'm sure he's still out there uh, involved somewhere, but uh, I do remember that story, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he was a player that I loved to hate as, as a Phoenix fan. You know, you just, yeah, he, he always got gobbels from Yellow Fever whenever they came here. But then I met him when he was coaching Melbourne Victory. Uh, and he was a really nice bloke, nice guy, nice, yeah. nice bloke to talk to. It's, it's always the favor, way, isn't
1: it? White line, always, fever. yeah, always the way. And I, I must admit, I love it in sport when you, you have somebody who just despises a player, just cannot stand them, and then all of a sudden they're traded to their own team. Mm. And they're the best ever. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that works, isn't it? Funny
0: how that yeah, works. It is. I'm trying to think of um, famous grubs in basketball. I mean, and I don't know if he technically was a grub, but he certainly was a physical guy. Was Charles Barclay. Would you would you have considered him a grub?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, there's been, there's definitely been a few over the years. Bill Lambier, I mean, you know, there's been, there's been some, some classics over the years that have really got under the skin of, uh, skin of people. And, you know, you go back through the, the 70s, um, in particular, you know, just some really hard, tough players. And, uh, you know, it was gloves off, it was on for young and old.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about who who in the NBA now you would put in that category, and Ben was just saying Stephen Adams always gets talked about because of his physicality, but I, I don't know if the, he's a grub. I just think he's physical. But I, I would have suggested maybe Draymond Green.
1: Uh, yeah, probably not so much these days. Um, yeah, look, there'll be there'll be players I think that stand out. You know, for really hard physical play, I think Stevens respected for the way that he goes about it. You know, yes, he plays hard, yes, he's physical, but I think he's well and truly admired for bringing that to the game.
0: Yeah,, uh, what about in the NBL? I mean we' we're, we're, we're in the throes of it now, we're in the last week of, of regular season.
1: Uh, Look, I I want to be very careful what I say here. (laughs) Uh, There's certainly players that get under the skin of opposition fans. Uh, Quite often, it's not so much for for grubby or dirty play. These days in basketball, it's for flopping. That seems Mm. to be the big topic. And, uh, you know, if you're a flopper, it certainly gets under the skin of opposition fans. I think Chris Goulding at Melbourne United is uh, targeted probably more so than any other player for that.
0: I, I always hark back to that thing that my dad used to say to me as a kid. Uh, Is like, uh, uh, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. I mean, I, I'm i very much that – I was very much that player. If you are going to take a dive and go down easily, I'm going to make sure
1: I kick you properly to give you the excuse. Yeah, and usually those players that do that are the least skilled players. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're finding a way to uh, – Uh, to make their place in the team a little bit more important. But, you know, look, you think about ice hockey and and, and those sorts of uh, games as well. You know, there's players that carve out long careers, you know, around going out and being that hard physical player, that that player that can change a game in an instant uh, by doing something that, you know, maybe opposition players and coaches, but certainly opposition fans may not look too kindly upon.
0: Mm, I I remember years, and this is, uh, you know, 100 years ago, but uh, when we first started getting um, all the sponsored Nike basketball gear and starter gear and stuff over here in New Zealand, I worked at a sports store in Pakaranga, and one of the first T-shirts I ever remember seeing was a Charles Barclay one that just said, on the front it had the meat shall inherit the earth, and on the back it had, but they'll never get the ball.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And look, hasn't sport changed? You know, y- yes, there's players that, that we don't like these days as fans, but it's probably for different reasons. I mean, a lot of the dirty stuff, a lot of the grubby stuff really has been taken out of uh, sports and I think for the better, to be honest. Um, but no doubt. You, uh, you sit around the bar with some old-timers, and the stories come thick and fast uh, around history and yesteryear when you're talking about sport and those sorts of plays.
0: Well, that's what's happening here, isn't it? A couple of old-timers. We're just missing Absolutely. the beers. Yeah, just missing Speak the beers. Speak to yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a professional. I'm a professional, Justin. <laughs> hey, um, I did mention the NBL. We are in the last week of the regular season. And out of nowhere, the 36ers have done – uh, the break is a massive favour by uh, taking one off the Taipans that I
1: did not see coming. Yeah, look, I don't think anybody saw it coming. And, you know, what a thrilling finale to the season. You know, I think back to the the Cells NBL last year, and it was sort of the same scenario. Anything could have happened in the last week. And how exciting was that? And we're seeing it transpire right now in the Australian NBL as well. And, you know, it is a big week. There's some huge games coming up. Perth have got two games at home. Cairns play Perth. Um, what we know is the Breakers, you know, destiny in your hands. It's right there if they win both. And certainly they could make it through with one of those two games, winning one of those games, depending on what happens between uh, Cairns and Perth. But it looks like from here, fingers crossed, the Breakers are set for a top two finish. So the Breakers
0: are away. Um, we've got the Hawks tomorrow night in mm-hmm. Wollongong and
1: then uh, finish with the Bullets up in Brisbane on Saturday, Correct. Yeah, that's correct. And a really telling thing here is Cairns play Perth on Friday night. So there's every chance the Breakers are going to know one way or the other what they must, what they can, what they can't do in that Saturday night fixture. In fact, they will know going up against Brisbane uh, what the tail of the tape is and what's needed.
0: Yeah, and they can't take either of these games lightly, even though they're the two bottom teams, because, I mean, uh, they just dropped a game to the Hawks not long ago.
1: Yeah, they did, and Brisbane's been in a little bit of form lately as well. I think, as we've seen, certainly in the back end of this season, uh, there's some real upsets that have played out. So no, they won't be taking it easy, and. When it is the last round of the season, too, and you know that the playoffs aren't too far away, the last thing a coach wants from a team is to do anything on the easy side because you want to build form, you want to build momentum, you want to build confidence and take that on into the playoffs. So they're going to go hard. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, they will. They will. Um, Anybody else uh, that is on the line? I mean, the Kings are pretty much nailed on to, uh, to take what we'd call the minor premiership if we're talking
1: NRL. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think Perth is the team to watch here in the last round. They play Cairns and the Kings. You know, the the current top two teams, and you know they're scrambling. They're trying to make the playoffs themselves. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix is the interesting one. They've actually finished their season, so mm-hmm. they've got to sit and watch everything play out now, and hopefully uh, make it through. Don't forget, we're talking percentage as well, not head to head. So you need to look at the. ANBL ladder and move across to that percentage, which is points for and points against over the whole season. Percentage may be a telling factor here. And one of the most talked about things that we saw in the uh, ANBL this season uh, was when players dribble out games. You know, it's a very customary thing that we see in the NBA. In fact, you and I talked about this on Hoopeds last mm. year. It really grates on me. Uh, that for some reason we think that that's the way a game of basketball should be played out. But what we are seeing now is every point counts. Don't dribble a game out. If you've got a chance to score, it may well be that basket in that game on that night that's the difference Come. The, uh, the
0: playoffs. Yeah and it's interesting you say that because I look at Southeast Melbourne Phoenix as you say they finished their season with a 15 and 13 record their points differential is 41 plus 41. Yep. Now yep. Melbourne United are just sitting just outside they've got one game to play against the 36ers but they need to win that by 41 points to overtake the Phoenix don't they?
1: Yeah it's a big ask isn't it and that's the sort of thing that uh, you know you sit down and you You get the calculator out and you start looking at those things. And the coaches know, the players know. We've seen some crazy things that can happen. So it sounds a lot, it sounds like it's impossible, but anything is possible when you're talking about a game of sport and particularly basketball. So don't write Melbourne United off.
0: Would you say that you can write the 36ers off? Because they actually have two games in hand. And if they win both, they need about a 90-point swing uh, to get into sixth place.
1: Yeah, I'm more than happy to write them off. I don't think they're in the picture at all. Not only do they need a lot to go right for them, they need a lot to go wrong for others. So when you've got that sort of equation, it makes it doubly hard. So for me, the 36s, I'd be staggered from here if they made it. I think it's a race in seven and, uh, you know, all eyes. If I'm a South East Melbourne Phoenix fan, uh, what a week. You know, just the fact that you've got to sit there and watch it all play out, you're helpless. You can't do anything from here. You've already done your best. And now you've got to see what happens. Now,
0: I'm going to touch wood here. Touch wood here, right? I don't want to jinx the the breakers. But if the breakers get up in their last two games and they overhaul their taipans, they've got a a far better points differential. uh, And they finish in second... I reckon there's every chance that the Taipans go out the back door like a flushed dunny, um, just because you know of where they will have fallen from.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Look, it, it can certainly happen. It's you know we talk about confidence. It's as much about building momentum as it is about avoiding losing momentum. It's not that long ago that you and I were talking about the fact that the breakers needed to turn things around. They are on that four-game losing streak, and then after they got that one, in, uh, that win in Sydney. It really was the turn. You could see it in the team. You could see it in the coach. You could see it in their style of play and their confidence. For me, that was the turning point. That was the one that got this team back on track. But equally, your point about Cairns, it can go the other way. And maybe that's happening for the Taipans at the wrong end of the season. We'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, yeah, we will. Um, so at the moment, it's the Kings and then the Taipans in the top two, then the Breakers, the Jack Jumpers, the Wildcats, and Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. I don't see
1: that changing, to be honest. I think that's going to be the six. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, If I'm to look at what's the most likely scenario from here, uh, I'm with you. I think the order can definitely change. Not for Sydney. We know where Sydney's going to finish, but everything under that can definitely move about. Yeah, it can. Uh, you mentioned the
0: Wildcats; uh, they they didn't start particularly well, but they seem to have pulled uh, uh, pulled finger and, and, and got uh, got together. And then of course got the Jack Jumpers in there who contested the final series last year as well. I mean, who do you like? Who do you think we're going to see in the big dance?
1: Well, of course the Jack Jumpers were the fairy tale story of last season, weren't they? And you know, if it wasn't your team playing in there, I think everyone was jumping on the Jack Jumpers. Bandwagon and wanting to be a part of bringing that fairy tale to life. Uh, right now, Sydney's definitely the team to beat. There's no doubt about that in my mind. However, I really like the fact that the Breakers are coming good at the right end of the season. They're fit, they're healthy, they've got everyone on the court, which is a great sign because they've dealt with a lot of injuries this season. They dealt with illness prior to Christmas. Uh, that had them missing, what was it, three, four weeks of mm-hmm. basketball, which is quite unheard of in the middle of the season. Uh, for me right now, as much as the King's start favourites, I'm well and truly on the breakers from here.
0: Yeah, what is it about the breakers this season that they're doing so well? Is it the physicality? Is it what the, 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 the three shooting seems to be on this season? What, what is it, do you think?
1: Look, I think you can probably talk about a range of things. Uh, but for me, the thing that needs to be talked about is the coach. Uh, you know, players have, have up games, down games, teams. We've seen them play at their best and we've seen them play at their worst. We've seen them contend with injury and illness and travel. Let's not forget the travel, you know, all those sorts of things. But for me, I, I, I think people need to stop and give real credit to this coach. You know, Modi Mayor is in his first season. He's a rookie coach uh, as a head coach in uh, in the Australian NBL. Um, he's turned around a franchise that, you know, was struggling For wins, we talk about Dan Shamir. The Dan Shamir project did not work. Let's put it on the table. Let's put it out there. It did not work. The team, the culture, everything for me was heading in the wrong direction. We need to stop and give credit to this guy that's leading the ship at the moment because he's the captain. He's the captain steering the ship, not the captain on the court, but certainly the guy that's putting it together off the court, and he's done a damn good job.
0: Yeah, and I think... You know, the other thing um, I I think needs to be said is you've got to give uh, some credit too to the ownership group because I think Matt Walsh came in with all these ideas of how he could make the breakers better, and they didn't work. Um, And he managed to check his ego at the door and go, all right, I've got this wrong, and go back to what did work. And it's, you know, that New Zealand core and changing the coach, it's it's all worked.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good call, And, and I think one thing that a lot of people wouldn't know about, you know, Matt, has hardly been in the country this season. In fact, I think he was back a week or two ago and was only here for four or five days. That's the only time he's spent here on the ground with the team during the season. He's been back in the states, but what he has done is he's relinquished and handed over a little bit of that day-to-day and given it to, you know, the senior staff, there Lisa Eds of the, the the CEO and, and and Simon Edwards the GM. You know, all credit to them. You know, this team has turned things around on the court. They've certainly got a coach in place that's really worked for them. But also, you know, the office has done an extraordinary job in uh, in putting the pieces together and managing this thing day by day as well. And, and you really need that, especially when you're dealing with injury and illness, but also the travel factor as well. You know, a lot of things have still gone against them this season. Uh, so, you know, hats off to them. Yes, Matt, yes, but day to day. You know, Lisa, Simon, and all the crew there have done a wonderful job. Good stuff. All right. Well, we we'll look forward to seeing those two games
0: uh, this last week play out, and then hopefully uh, the Breakers sitting in the top two come the end of regular season. Uh, we should also talk, Justin, about the Sales NBL, which is starting to gear up. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago, and it had been a bit slow on player signings. Has that picked up much? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's certainly starting to pick up. I can tell you now that a lot of players have been signed and teams are now preparing themselves, you know, with a flurry of announcements. And Tom Vodanovic, he was the first player rolled out by the Saints uh, last uh, week. What a great player. You know, he really has cemented himself. You talk about hard players. Uh, he he has matured. There's no doubt about that. He's one of the stars of the selves, NBL. He's one of the stars of the Australian Bill. You know, he's carved out a really good career there so far, and he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. So great uh, to see him returning for the Saints. Hiram Harris was announced yesterday, I think, uh, for the Hawks Bay Hawks. He's back there with the Hawks. You know, he's a great all round player, one of the best in the competition, doing well with Adelaide. Again, he's really cemented himself as a, as a star player in this competition. Getting bigger and stronger in the Australian competition. He's a tall black. So great to have him back. And from all reports, a couple of phone calls buzzing about tonight. I think the Hawks are about to make another announcement tomorrow. And it's a nice one.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Are we talking uh, nice as in uh, a Kiwi coming back or maybe somebody from overseas?
1: I'm saying absolutely nothing more. Okay. All right. Keeping it <laughs> stum. Keeping it stumm, Justin. All right. Another player who has performed really, really well in the cells NBL. So watch this space. OK, all right, OK. It's a player from the cells NBL. That much <laughs> we know.
0: Um, loose lips, sitting ships and all that stuff. Uh, just before we let you go, mate, uh, we should talk uh, a little bit of uh, NBA. Um, the Lakers got up over the Knicks uh, today, um, and that saw LeBron uh,
1: climb the assist list in the NBA records. Well, he's climbing every list in the NBA records, isn't he? I mean, that scoring uh, total not too far away. And uh, reports late today, they're trying to figure out when he's going to get that points record. They've nailed down the game they think it's going to happen, and tickets for that game are already selling at $75,000 a pop, the best seats in the house. That is quite extraordinary if he does break that record in that game. Uh, The other big thing to watch in the NBA right now is you know the current uh, trade window. It's going to close uh, this time, roughly next week. February 9 is when it closes. You know, teams will be looking at what they do from here. Expect some pretty big stories in the NBA over the next six or seven days. Yeah. Have you got Have you got any oil? You got any, anything that you think might happen? Well, there's a lot of good teams running around, isn't there? Both in the East and the West. Really like what the Nuggets are doing. We've spoken about your Celtics, obviously. The Bucks aren't too far away. And there's just a whole plethora of teams that are, you know, within range. The Warriors are starting to come good. Uh, I think from here, you know, really it's about the teams that think they can go on and win it. They're the teams that are going to be looking for a change. Uh, forget about the tanking stuff, you know Everyone's already talked about that, that's not uh, That's not the business to talk about right now Through this trade period, it's about teams Becoming a little bit better, so they Can hopefully go on and win a championship
0: Yeah, that's what we want to talk about mate uh, We want teams winning championships I mean at the moment, it, it is Denver uh, Are making the running in the west And the Celtics are making the running in the east uh, we, We've we got to talk a little Bit uh, about the Grizzlies of course uh, They've been missing Stephen Adams And uh, you're going to be missing him for another couple of Weeks, Jay Morant spent missed a couple of games as well. Uh, they are dropping down the ladder um, over in the West. Uh, two big pieces missing for them. Uh, what sort of impact do you think that's going to have on their running?
1: Yeah, it's a massive impact, isn't it? I think every team, you know, goes through a stage in a season like we see in the NBA. You know, with some injuries and some form issues. Uh, And I think the Grizzlies are going through that right now. I like them, you know, when they're at their best and they're fit and they're strong and they're healthy, I really like them. Uh, And I think they're going to be there at the business end. But uh, right now... They've got to try and, you know, pluck out some wins and avoid this losing streak, you know, get back on track and and grab what they can. But more importantly, they've got to get fit and healthy and get their stars back. And I've got no doubt that, uh, you know, once Adams gets back in there, Morant, fit and healthy and stringing games together, they're going to be fine. Yeah,
0: good stuff, Justin. All right, mate. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on. We'll let you get back to that beer before it goes flat and warm. Um, Otherwise, you'll think you're in the UK.
1: (laughs) Good on you. Have a good one. Yeah, you
0: too, mate. Justin Nelson from Sky Sport there with us.